We got orphanages. Get, you just spoilers, pause right spoilers, there, and I'll finish. Spoilers, okay, spoilers, okay. Spoilers. When thirty-five-year-old orf. Okay. You just spoiler. pause right there. I'll spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Mark, Mark, are you an orphan? Anyways, is that why you can't say it? Guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he have a lot of trouble with that word. Oh. He destroys the kitchen at the orphanage, and he has 10 days to raise the money in order to save the orphanage where he grew up from closing down. Meanwhile, Eddie Sullivan, a manager for fighters, is in debt to Memphis Earl. Walter and Eddie join forces in order to solve their problems by becoming a team of a fighter and his manager. Together with Mary O'Connor, a worker at the orphanage, they conquer the world of amateur wrestling and choking out bears with one goal in mind, winning the tournament in New Orleans to get the trophy and the $100,000 that goes along with it. Which, of course, they do at the end of the movie. Big spoiler. show. Spoiler. 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 But this sounds, this makes it sound like it's a, like even a well, more thought out movie than it actually is. Basically, Big Show burns down this orphanage at the beginning of the movie. Uh, it's technically the kitchen. He lights the kitchen. He burns down the kitchen of it. They need money to rebuild the orphanage. This fight manager says. Just the kitchen and the orphanage. The kitchen. <laughs> and it was the kid's incompetence, first of all. I mean, it was there's a kid in the opening he scene of the movie. The he said, pie. kid, watch this. Make sure this doesn't get out of hand. And the yes, kid was no too busy. Smell. And so he yeah. didn't smell things burning and couldn't feel fire uh, and the heat burning in the next fire. to him. Yeah. He needs money. The fight manager says, I've got this big fight in New Orleans. And basically the entire uh, next hour and a half of the movie, is a ro- it's just a road trip movie. They're trying to get from wherever the hell they are at the beginning. New Orleans. To New Orleans. At to the New Orleans again. <laughs> to New Orleans at the end for this fight. And they drive yeah. around and horrible things happen along the way. Like their car blows up and da da da. We'll, we'll, we'll try, talk about it. We'll and they talk try about and act it. funny. That's terrible. We'll, we'll break it down. But, but um, first <laughs> I, I want to read you guys some of the... Um, some of the here's what it says on Wikipedia about the reviews of the film. This film has been universally panned by critics. <laughs> Sla- <laughs> Why? Slant magazine gave the film a half a star out of five stars, writing that the film's title is quote a description for both the film and anyone who chooses to be its audience. Zing. About.com gave it two out of five stars, commenting that while the movie has a ridiculous premise, somehow the execution of storylines were even worse. Variety wrote that the acting, quote, leaves a bit to be desired, end quote, and that no one in the cast is that strong. Film Journal International called it a lame comedy about a big doofus who enters the fight game, manages to take every cliche in the book and render them even more cliched. And the New York Times called the film mediocre. Wow, the New York Times had to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, quickly, guys, overall, before we get into the plot of the movie in detail, overall thoughts on the film. This is the worst movie that we've watched so far, by far. By far. It was terrible. It was really terrible. However, I felt bad for the big show. I want to see him in my I did, too. Like, he's a funny, funny guy, and it was so sad. The Chaperone succeeded in being a family movie. Mm -hmm. Wrong Side of Town succeeded in being an action movie. This one fails miserably at being a comedy. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, The acting in the film, actually, despite everything we're saying about the the film itself sucks, the acting in the film is actually not that bad. It's It's passable. You would recognize most of the actors in this in a lot of of movies you've seen, you know. The Nun was terrible, though. She, uh, uh, she's been on Just Shoot Me and on the TV show Dream On. She was clearly mailing it in. She, well, she just felt uncomfortable, you know, going from so many sexy characters to having to play a nun. It was really a turnaround for her. 
And <laughs> Big Show is talented. Like I think he could do something. I think he could. He is a funny guy. I think he could be funny in a good comedy. This just moments, wasn't a great comedy. He had some moments here and there where he did the best that he could do with how terrible it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the script was the one of the worst things I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> Ever and Brett teaches a uh, sketch uh, improv classes. <laughs> if you were to like, I mean, even if the plot to this movie was completely borrowed from Kingpin, and all you had to do was just change bowling for all every time fighter do is, all you gotta do is change all you gotta do is. Uh, that's uh, a new even if you changed bowling producer. for every time you said the word fighter, uh, they still got it wrong. Everything. The jokes were bad. They were yeah. poorly done. Wait a minute. Let me ask you this. I mean, the whole premise of the movie is that Big Show's got to become a fighter and go win the fight. What is fighting? What sport is this that he's competing in? It's, it's underground it's, fighting that has that sells tickets. Underground That's fighting. It. They sell tickets and they promote it all over town. And mm-hmm. that and the and the tournament has lasted for twenty years. This thirty. Underground, oh, is it thirty? There was a banner up at the tournament at the yeah. big fight at the end that said thirtieth annual. I was like, "What? What is, is this supposed to be like an alternative world world where there's a sport that's just called fighting and people <laughs> yeah. just fight? It wasn't boxing, it wasn't wrestling, it wasn't MMA. These guys just got in the ring and like well, punched one of each the other biggest, bare knuckle. One of the biggest uh, promoters in the Louisiana area was like a nine year old kid, <laughs> which was hilarious. Oh my god, that, that was, was Bobby J. Thompson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's here's some of the things that happened in the opening act of the movie well it opens with a production of the wizard of oz in this um the in this, most expensive in this mm-hmm. production this, this orphanage that we it's a it's a play it's a school play in this orphanage that we've talked about but i gotta say it's not clear that it's an orphanage at the beginning of this movie it's like it feels like it's a catholic school elementary school well, adoption agency. Home. you don't know what the hell this place even is where these kids are yeah. i was under the impression it was an orphanage and the fact that they were having a orphanage play for a few <laughs> prospective parents. Yeah, you thought they were selling them and via like, the this, play. Yeah, like this is terrible. Like this, it was like a, I don't know, it was, it was like they were washing all the cars at the used car lot so people could come in and see the nice shiny cars. But they were children putting on a play for eight, eight couples. Well, I don't know, honey. That child's not really believable. Let's not bring him yeah, home. I, don't, I just, I didn't, I didn't feel that he was really feeling like he was lost in Oz. Yeah. Are you really the Tin Man or are you just a man out of ten? Are you just a little boy with no parents? We are. And is the together. little girl playing Dorothy, I mean, don't you have enough channeled up emotion from your parents leaving you already that you can't really feel that you don't... That you're lost in this yeah. new place? And, and Toto, well, he's just a fat kid and no one wants to buy him. <laughs> it's time to hear another one of the WWE films, actually, that we've stolen from their... Hack, we've hacked in their yeah, website. Hacked in their mainframe. By the way, uh, if you want the password, it's John Cena rules. <laughs> Ooh, right, that's R U L E Z. Yeah. Oh, it, and it's cap. Actually. It's yeah. cap Z's. sensitive too. So mm-hmm. the E in Cena is capitalized. <laughs> so try it a couple times. Try it a couple times. Uh, Steve, Steve, you've got one. Read, I read do. That. I do. This was called "Ow, My Head." Uh-huh. <laughs> Ambitious, callous, narcissistic, and at times unethical, The Miz is a highly successful Manhattan attorney whose obsession with his work leaves him little time for his prim socialite wife, Maurice, and troubled preteen daughter, Rachel. He's just won a malpractice suit in which he defended a hospital against a plaintiff who claims, but is unable to prove, that he warned the hospital of a problem. Running out to buy cigarettes one night, he is shot when he interrupts a convenience store robbery in progress, a young Heath Slater. (laughs) One bullet hits his right frontal lobe, and he experiences brain damage. (laughs) The Miz survives, but initially he can neither move nor talk, and he suffers retrograde amnesia. He regains movement and speech with the help of his physical therapist, Ryan Stiles, 
and upon returning to his luxurious <laughs> apartment, the almost childlike The Miz is impressed by the surroundings he once barely noticed. As he forges a new relationship with Maurice and Rachel, he slowly realizes he does not like the person he was before the attack. As his firm takes away his old assignments and large office and essentially assigns him only busy work, The Miz finds it difficult to remain a lawyer. The family decides to relocate to a smaller residence. He finds a letter from a former colleague disclosing an affair he had with Maurice, becomes angry and upset, and leaves home. He is confronted by Linda, a fellow attorney at his firm, who reveals that he was also having an affair and that he was... and that he said he would have to leave Maurice. The Miz, realizing that as Maurice had said, everything had been wrong before, returns to her and is reconciled. Also, he gives documents from his last case that were supposed suppressed by his firm to the plaintiff, whom he now realizes was in the right. He also goes to take Rachel out from the elite school where she is unhappy. Wow. Sounds like The Miz really had a turnaround. Well, clearly one. WWE has stolen that from Kung Fu Panda 1. God! Right. <laughs> that has Jack Black written all over it. I know it's just a couple years old, but it's just that it's so brazen of them to steal from it. Regarding Henry. That's what they've stolen. That makes me from. furious because I'm a huge Harrison Ford fan and I hate The Miz. <laughs> well, that, what a slap to you, what a dick slap to your what face. A, what a what a what a unwashed dick slap <laughs> to my just face. A sweaty dick slap to your face. Uh, well, back to Knucklehead. Another dick slap to the face. <laughs> uh, so, well, Wizard of Oz. You know, in every in every film and television show, whenever there's a school player talent show, it's always like a huge Hollywood production. It doesn't look like any fucking school yeah, play a, you've ever a seen. A three point five million production yeah, of this, the Wizard of Oz. For this orphanage film. has this like a phenomenal set and costumes for the Wizard of Oz, even though they're supposed to be broke. But anyways, Glenda the Good Witch, um, the, the the kid who was supposed to play Glenda got sick. Violently sick. Vomitoriously yes. sick. So they say somebody's filled in for Glenda, but they don't tell us who. When it's time for Glenda to appear in the play, Big Show comes in as Glenda. But Big Show is swung in from the rafters on, like, rigging. Like, he swings in on wires. Electronic rigging, too. Uh, yeah, Not just old-fashioned ropes yeah, that yeah, yeah. they're... 30 kids trying to pull on it. <laughs> Which would have been orphanage. funny. Orphanage. Right. They missed a joke right there. Orphanage. Right, because they're not real children. They're they're orphans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you know, be great is if all the kids backstage were wearing potato sacks and, and uh, overalls with holes in their knees. With porridge. And, and little hobo gloves and sideways news, <laughs> newspaper caps. And... So I guess we're supposed to think they were going to have the, the, the child, a little girl, play Glinda the Good Witch and come swinging in on these wires. But when she couldn't fill in, they were like, let's have a 500-pound guy swing in on the same rigging system. Yeah. <laughs> That's so unexpected. Let's not have him play Toto or one of the other parts and have that kid step into where the, yeah. the wiring system is. No, 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 no. And when it goes wrong, let's blame him for it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, Big Show... Well, Big Show's character is like this kind of like lovable... Moron. Think Randy Quaid in Kingpin, but just not Amish. <laughs> he, they established that he was a kid in this orphanage, but he's never left, and now he's like thirty-five, and he does odd jobs around the orphanage all the time, and they don't have the heart to throw him out. Well, they say, in the, and also in the morning, he takes massive dumps that everybody's used to. And they say uh, they don't talk about people leaving. They say whoever has the most life experience, which I think just means who's ever walked outside. The it most. says like whoever made their way out of the space colony that they're being raised in. I mean, what? I have no idea what you guys are saying. Yeah, no, they constantly use the phrase in the movie. Uh, the nun says, "Whoever has the most life experience, like, oh, he has no life experience, or you should go." The the, the lady from the office, like, you should go and lead them because you have the most life experience. 
It's if you, really bizarre. If, you have, if you've ever done a day trip or any activity whatsoever outside of this orphanage, you have the most life you experience. Have life experience. Because but that's we, why the nun doesn't go because she doesn't have any life experience. Uh, Meanwhile, in her high tech media room filled with top of the line computers. She's that computer room that had like forty computers. And what? what the that's like twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment per computer. <laughs> and the fact that they couldn't fix their own kitchen that some stupid kid burned down. I am angry. Well, Big Show accidentally burns down the kitchen. Uh, the kid, the- he left the kid to watch it. <laughs> the kid, he said, hey, watch the stove. Yeah. There, there's a kid that Big Show really likes and hangs out with. Because he's a fat kid. He's, a fa- he's like a little Big Show. <laughs> he's a little like, show. He's like he's a little show. He's like a mini me version of Big Show. This kid, I, and even just uh, thematically, because WWE Studios tends to do this, uh, Big Show is wearing a horrible wig to start the, the and movie. has a painted on beard that yeah. also looks terrible. It looks like they just sprayed water <laughs> on his face and threw pubic hair. Like, sorry, we can't <laughs> we can't use a fake beard on you because Triple H is using that for the chaperone. So we're just gonna have to paint this on. Is that what they do for in low budget movies? They spray water on somebody's face and throw pubic hair at them to create a beard. Uh, Mark, I was actually wondering if you're not doing anything next weekend. I'm shooting a small horror film. I was wondering if you would be interested. A small in horror film? A small horror film. H- and I need a wise old man. I was wondering if you could portray him. <laughs> um, I actually timed it. It was nine minutes into the movie when the first when the first fart joke happens. Oh, okay. Nine minutes in. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Nine minutes spoiler. in. Yeah, get ready. But it's one of many, yeah. many fart and poop jokes through this movie. I, there's something that I've, I've noticed. When I hear fart jokes in movies, it always sounds like canned farting. I wish they would actually get someone to fart in a microphone, or at least make farting noises with a mouth, because I'm just tired of stock Foley fart noises. <laughs> this, listen right. to this, alright? Listen to this, guys. Jesus Christ. That sounds, those sound like Somebody laughed. Somebody laughed. Yeah, someone laughed. But everything in uh, I don't think so. Every movie <laughs> yeah, you're gonna see, that. every movie you're gonna see with a fart, it, it sounds like they're stock farts. It's like the Wilhelm scream, but it's all fart noises. It's like you have to explain what the Wilhelm scream is. No, that's how does it go? It's the uh, Indiana Jones. It's in Star Wars. It's yeah, it's a, that. It's that. Uh, it's that can. <laughs> <laughs> I love you content. trying. <laughs> That's so stupid. Oh, Mark's <laughs> taking a deep breath like he's going to try it now. Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I was taking a deep breath like, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, the um, So the big show, he's, he's got to raise $25,000 to replace this... <laughs> to replace this kitchen. This kitchen. <laughs> No. What's greatest too about the kitchen thing is they make the agreement with the fucking health inspector, whoever that guy is, that hey, uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, I have to shut you down. Well, no, give us time. Well, okay, if you agree to build the kitchen again, I'll give you ten days time, and if you haven't started any progress, then I'll have to shut you down. This movie has no logic right. whatsoever. It just makes it. No sense. So Big Show kind of he runs into the he runs into this fight promoter. The fight promoter sees how big Big Show is, and he says, "I've well, got a big fight coming." This is after the nun is pushes him through a stained glass window. Yes, yes. The nun and uh, the Jewish fight manager is praying in the in the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he runs into the uh, fight promoter. We're still within the uh, 
we should just say we're still within the first 15 minutes of this hour and 40 minute movie so yeah, we may yeah. kind of Lay, jump along a little quicker right here yeah. but <laughs> but he meets the fight promoter the fight promoter says come fight you got to be a fighter you can win a hundred we can win a hundred thousand dollars together we'll split the purse big show knows this will be enough money so they get a, 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 a woman the girl who was in the a woman who was in the office the first couple of seasons she works yeah. at the what's your character name in the Jan office? Levinson Gould <laughs> she works at the orphanage and the fight promoter and the woman from the office and Big Show, they go on the road. They drive to New Orleans to get to this fight, and hijinks ensue along the way. That's another thing. They couldn't sell that school bus that they're using? Yeah. All the computer well, equipment, the school bus. Problems. Apparently yeah. they can spare that school bus for a, uh, a flights of fancy. Well, that's the one that they shouldn't have took because there was engine problems. Oh, well, at one point they lose Not brakes. brake problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Engine problems. Yeah. They, in which you cannot hit the brake. The the engine goes crazy. The truck starts. Uh, the bus starts smoking. They drive into a. Uh, a woman's driving it, which is also bad news. Yeah, dangerous, dangerous. They drive into a cornfield, and from a wide shot, the bus hits a. I believe it's a telephone pole in the middle of the corn sure. cornfield, and then there's a huge explosion. At which point, I yelled at Scott, "Credits!" Because I thought that was the end. <laughs> yeah, of the you don't see them running away. You just <laughs> assume they're all dead. Yeah, you just see the. That bus would be explode. awesome if they would have ended it right there. Yeah, I wish not long after that scene had happened, I went, "Oh my god, how long is this? How long is this movie?" I I was already done with it at that point. I wish credit would have. I and I paused it to see where we were, and we were forty minutes into an hour and forty minute long movie that is called a comedy. Oh my yeah. god! I was like, I'm never gonna make it through this thing. Well, here, what are some other highlights of their road trip? Their bus their bus blows up, so then they've got to figure out ways to get from place to place. Mm-hmm. They meet a friend named uh, Tina, who used to be a stripper. She kind of has a crush on the big show, and. Um, the Big Show like has to fight along the way. He has to have fights along the way. But he's so sweet and lovable that he doesn't know how to fight and doesn't have that angry uh, beast inside of him. Yeah, he, he not does. yet. He hasn't been pushed to his limit. So mm-hmm. at one point, the, um, the at one point the uh, the fight manager has to tell Big Show that his opponent in the fight doesn't believe in Christmas. His Jewish opponent doesn't oh believe in God. Christmas, which gets Big Show really mad, and then he beats the crap out of the guy. Well, and also in that Jewish fight league, <laughs> what, in, in, a, the, in the synagogue, in synagogue. Uh, that everybody there is uh, rabbis and holding the stars of David. They're all holding stars of David and playing uh, Hava Nagila music. So they thought they were doing some sort of an airplane-esque comedy bit right there, which is very sad. They thought, oh, what would be funnier than this? And everybody that Big Show goes to fight, whoever the promotion guys are, whoever's there, always assume that he's going to lose. Like, oh, who'd you bring to lose? Oh, this <laughs> giant seven-foot-tall guy who's bigger than everybody else we got? <laughs> what a loser. Yeah. <laughs> his, his most heightened fight was this next one that we're getting to, if the, you ask uh, me. I, are you referring to his fight against the 1,600-pound bear? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't that have been the end of the movie? <laughs> that, should, that should have been the final yeah. boss. So Big Show has to fight a 1,600-pound bear. First thing I thought when I saw this scene is Vince McMahon would love to promote this match if it were legal. Yeah, yeah. This would have happened at WrestleMania if he could legally do it. Big what Show do you would to, wrestle You just a bear. cap the bear's teeth and you put corks on all of its claws, right? What? <laughs> you make Does the that bear make it legal? Bicycles. That's like yeah. the only way you can make fighting a bear legal. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for another um, WWE film uh, synopsis. One of their upcoming film synopsises. 
Um, Brett's got one here to read for us. Well, this one's bound to be original, right? I don't it's know. Gotta it's got to be. I read through I it. I can't place it from okay. anywhere. So This one has a bit of a longer title. It's called, I'd Have Trouble Seeing You If You Left the View From My Window. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is... Uh, Let's put that anywhere. Professional photographer W.F. Puke Pukerson... Played by former WWE superstar Darren Drozdov. <laughs> breaks his neck while getting an action shot in an auto race and is stuck in a wheelchair. Confined to his uh, New Orleans, Louisiana apartment, he spends his time writing blogs and looking out of the window observing the neighbors. He begins to suspect that the silent masked man across the courtyard, played by WWE superstar Sin Cara, <laughs> may have murdered his wife. Puke enlists the help of his high society fashion consultant girlfriend, Linda Freebird, played by Michelle McCool, and his visiting nurse, Stella, played stunningly by Vicky Guerrero, <laughs> to investigate. Uh, that sounds like Kung Fu Panda 3. <laughs> the upcoming, yeah. The upcoming Kung Fu Panda 3. That's so Jack Black. All no, over. they have stolen that from uh, from Alfred Hitchcock. Rear yeah. window. That is yeah. rear window. That sounds exactly Son like rear window. God's sakes. All right, back to Knucklehead. The one, the, maybe the most memorable scene in Knucklehead comes up after the bear fight. The Big Show and his companions. <laughs> well, yeah, that's about it. The Big Show and his companions. They decide to take a bus for part of the way. Up, uh, you know, um, public bus. The public bus, like a great. Because uh, all before that, they were just. Uh, Hitching rides wherever they could. Or they almost hmm. stayed in that hobo camp, and I was like, "This movie's about to get amazing." And then they didn't. Stay. <laughs> and and they've been they've been camping everywhere and not showering and yet looking pristine. Well, and I love that run all down. those uh, frat brothers drove up right as they were waking up from camping out in the uh, mm-hmm. on the out- great outdoors. Yeah, they're like living on the road. They don't have anything with them yet. They're in like different outfits every time you see them. They look immaculate. The dude's got his hair gelled back. It's, it's like Gilligan's make- Island. <laughs> yeah, Big Show's pubic hair beard is perfectly coiffed. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, they're all on this bus together, and they've well established in the film already that Big Show has the stinkiest, worst farts and shits of all time. Well, so does that nun in the beginning, too. Oh, my God. Oh. I totally thought that was what Big Show in the beginning. What a And so, so suddenly, Big Show on the on the bus. Well, hold on, hold who on. Who hasn't been eating that much throughout well, this they, entire trip, too? Uh, they were eating. They went to a buffet, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And they filled up. And he was like, hey, I got a cast iron stomach. That was the setup. Yeah. He, he's, his stomach starts to rumble. He realizes he has to go to the bathroom. So he runs to the bathroom in the back of the bus, farting the whole way. (laughs) And not everybody reacts either. All the extras that he's farting on their heads and faces. That was half of them. Post. Half of yeah. them react for their eight dollars an hour, and the other half don't. <laughs> well, he can't fit in the small bathroom in the back of the bus, so he sits in it. But he can't close the door. His whole torso and legs are sticking out of it, and he takes this huge, disgusting dump. Constant on, on the bus that goes on forever. It could have gone on longer. It would have gone. <laughs> and everyone on the bus is. Horrified. They, they Not actually, everyone. Again, it's in waves. Like if you watch, like the left side of that on camera, half of those people are not reacting to these huge, loud farts, and you see other people who are who are horrified, and others that ha- are just reading a book. Yeah, he, uh, he. But they, they they stop the bus. They like call the. They have to call the fire department. They clear everyone off of the bus. They have to call like the cops and the fire department to try to help 
big show. Get out of this bathroom. But, you know, I thought that they played, for some reason, obviously this is supposed to be a funny scene, but I thought they played it, like, really sad. Tragic. Right? It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Tragic. He's yeah. so big, he can't go to the bathroom like normal. I didn't laugh now he's at trapped His stomach is uncontrollable. Public. I didn't laugh at any part of that other than I was telling these guys earlier, other than the... Uh, Big Show apologizing for it. That was what was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the only part I found funny. Uh, there was the part of the bus where everyone was screaming, and he was like, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That was my favorite part. The apology is what I laughed yeah, at. Yeah, that they, was funny. They had really sad music under the whole thing, though. <laughs> it was, like, depressing. Well, I've got a WWE film, a future film here to read, a synopsis to read here. We've, we've stolen this, of course. We've hacked the uh, the files. John Cena rules. I mean, this one's really obvious. It's called Capital The Eight. King's Speech Part Two. <laughs> 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 they just tell you. I mean, they clearly have, they clearly have stole this. The King's Speech Part Two is a new WWE film written by Stephanie McMahon and the WWE creative team. The King is played by Jerry the King Lawler, who desperately wants to cut a promo to hype his WrestleMania match against Michael Cole. Even though the King is one of the greatest promo men of all time and spent decades cutting promos that sold out Memphis arenas and did monster business promoting nearly this exact same storyline with Andy Kaufman years ago, the villainous Vincent Kennedy McMahon sees the King's speech style as a relic of the old school territory days. Like all WWE stories involving Vince McMahon, it ends with Vince winning, no speech is made, and business continues to decline. That's the 52-week low. <laughs> They're going to make this film. They're going to make it. Well, are there any other uh, highlights? Before we get to the, the main event, the big fight that the big show has at the end, any other highlights of the road trip of these characters for you guys, or lowlights, maybe I should say? To be fair, I started falling asleep a lot during this movie at this point. <laughs> All right, well, we, they get to... New Orleans. Oh, it, wait, we haven't talked about Dennis Farina and uh, Red Rum. Well, yeah, there are two villains in this movie. Dennis Farina, he's an evil fight promoter. And like Re I said, and a, and a great actor. You know great what I mean? Actor. So there's, there's, there's good enough people in this to have supported even a, a, a halfway decent script. They just didn't have it. So they, they, I don't think they rewrote anything. And they're like, hey, I got this great script. I wrote it. Some of it's on cocktail napkins. Let's shoot it. <laughs> well, earlier, Red Rum was established as that fighter who was going to beat all the uh, fight promoters' fighters, the fight promoter that we're following, the fight manager. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the guy that the fight manager puts up against Red Rum gets knocked out in a punch, just floored. And then when the fight manager is told that he owes money, Red Rum hits him. The fight manager goes down, but is then fine. He took the punch better than his own fighter, which made me wonder why the hell didn't the, the fight manager fight the guy on his own? Well, you learn <laughs> why an hour and 15 minutes later of why Spoiler. he didn't Spoiler. get it. We learn a lie first. Yeah. Well, he lies to us. But uh, So Dennis Farina is the evil uh, fight promoter, and his fighter is, is called Red Rom, and he looks kind of like Ezekiel Jackson. But, but not as big. But not, not as big, right. And yeah. more well-spoken. And this is who Big Show, of course, has to fight at the end of the movie. He has to fight. More variety in his moveset as well. <laughs> Body slam. Body slam. Body he has slam. to fight the big, uh, Red Rom, Big Show does, at the end. And, um, and so Big Show does fight him, and he, of course, wins, and wins the money, it's a... It's a happy ending. Then the bear comes in and kills all It's a happy ending because the credits roll. And, oh, no. And, the bear's corpse has come off. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they wrap up the rest of the story in the hokiest, cheesiest fashion you could possibly imagine. Other than a, a Amish people dancing to Blues Traveler. 
I almost think that that, that last part that we're about to t- talk about wasn't there. And a focus group said, well, we kind of wanted to know what happened with this thing. And then they went in and just wrote that in a second or yeah. two. Yeah, so, like, everyone kind of who's supposed to fall in love falls in love. Big Show gets the money. The nuns are saved. The orphanage is saved. And at the very end, we see a shot of Big Show with the kid that he really liked from the beginning burned down, burned down the kitchen. The little, the little show. <laughs> his, his mini-me. Yeah, it's the little show. We see them together, and, and Big Show's going to move out of the orphanage, and the little show is sad. But yeah, it's the little show. <laughs> but Big Show wraps his arm around the kid and tells the kid, "Who is? I'm getting a new kid today." <laughs> <laughs> you weren't very good in the play. I'm not gonna. No adopt. one's ever gonna adopt you. No uh, one ever. No I've one just, will ever love you. I've just stolen a refrigerator from the new built kitchen that I'm putting in the back of the moving truck. <laughs> no, Big Show wraps his arm around the kid and tells the kid he's going to adopt him. He's, Big Show's gonna be this kid's new dad. Because he's clearly responsible. <laughs> uh, and again, at which this point, Big the... Show knocks him, knocks the little boy out. <laughs> and, oh, and this might be the way in Louisiana that it works with adoption, but apparently, you don't ever have needed to have a job or or have your own address or anything like that, and they'll just let you adopt a kid or be just... in a stable relationship. Great, great. Just meet a hooker on the road, or I'm sorry, <laughs> and uh, then start adopting kids. Uh, by the way, Steve noticed something. That okay, we, we glossed over something that when Dennis Frida and Red Rum and that hooker that Farina brings in with him to try and adopt, uh, was it the fat kid? Stop taking yeah. phone calls. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I had to. The hooker that they're with is RVD's haggard wife from Wrong Side of Town. No, oh, yes, yes, yes. she is credited in Knucklehead as Hooker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. And we found out she's also in 12 rounds. So we have to see 12 rounds now. <laughs> no, we don't. That has <laughs> got to be somebody's sister or, or No, she's, aunt she or is some... what completes the Louisiana trilogy, is that she is a southern actress. <laughs> she's the Jay and Silent Bob of these movies that connect all of them. <laughs> <laughs> the connecting thread. Mm-hmm. We're almost out of time, guys, but I think we have one more WWE future Ooh, film. Yes, I have another one here. Coming out. Uh, this one here is called Running from the Law. Running from the Law. Mm-hmm. A well-respected New Orleans dermatologist, Dr. Patsy Goodman, played by WWE superstar Sheamus, has found out that his wife, Claire, has been murdered ferociously in her own home by a one-legged man. The police found Goodman and accused him of the murder. Then, Goodman, without justifiable reason, was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. However, on the way to prison, Goodman's transport crashed. Goodman escapes and is now on the run. Constable Franklin Law, played by Academy Award-nominated actor Sir Ian McKellen, from London's Scotland Yard, takes charge of the case of Goodman. Meanwhile, Goodman makes up his own investigation to find out who really killed his wife, to lure Law and his team into it as well, and clear up his name. Wow. wow. They've stolen the plot of the Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's exactly the Little Mermaid. It's the Little Mermaid. And is the one-legged man played by uh, Zach Dynamite Kid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is the uh, real movie there that they've stolen? It sounds like The Fugitive. It is. Definitely. Wow. They're the they're class. dipping into the Harrison Ford movies left and right. <laughs> they're, well, he's got great taste, and now yeah, apparently big box so office draw. Yeah. Well, it's the little show. I just had to rule a three. It. Well, it's beating no <laughs> Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the uh, show. We have watched Knucklehead, so you don't have to. We watched The Chaperone, so you don't have to. We watched 
Wrong side of town, so you don't have to. We, we watched watch WrestleMania three... 28 also. <laughs> or 27. <laughs> we watched three painful movies. Uh, but we hope you've enjoyed the reviews of them on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash Curtain Jerks on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Curtain Jerks. We're on iTunes now. You can go on, rate, review, subscribe to us. Uh, listen to our podcast while you're jogging, jog- jogging, walking, or, or in the bathroom, or in the bathroom with like Big Show. <laughs> Where if you ever <laughs> if you ever stuck in a in a bus bathroom, waiting for the police and fire department to come and get you out, listen plug, to listen plug to in our your podcast. headphones. Mm-hmm. Yep, listen to this podcast. Um, thanks to everybody here at the Comedy Podcast Network, especially Meredith Spivey, our producer. I'm Mark Warzeka. Uh, I'm Chief I'm Scott Narver. I'm Brecken L. And join us next time. Bye bye. For more funny stuff for your eyes and ears, go to ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.